You're listening to Behind the Note Podcast, brought to you by a musician for musicians. Here, you will get advice toward a successful music career. This show is made to educate, inspire, motivate, and empower. Now, here is your host, Chris Davis. Hello, welcome to Behind the Note Podcast. This is episode number 64, and we have a great show for you once again. Oh my goodness, what a treat we have for you today. I want to tell you just a little bit about our guest. This person we have today strives to teach artists how to be artists. With major changes in the music industry and in the digital world and record labels, today expect artists to build their their own online presence. They expect artists to build their own fan base. And from that Labels today are really buying into businesses. They're buying into bands that are really already established. And we actually talked about that with Chad McCullough in episode number 33. And the title of that show is How to Choose a Record Label. And it's worth going back to listen to if you haven't heard it already. And it actually fits well with what we're going to talk about today here on this show, on this episode now, the person we have today is, is really uh, a true blessing that we were able to talk with him. And I want to say thanks again for joining us on the show. We have Taylor Swift's first manager today with us. And it's a very interesting story because basically Taylor asked him in the beginning to be her manager. She wanted help. She needed help. And he said no. He said no because... It, it was because of him. It wasn't because of her. It was that he felt that he didn't have enough experience to help her. And so as the story goes, Taylor's father called him and said, hey, please recon- reconsider. Taylor likes you. She trusts you. She believes in you. And she really wants you to be her manager. So they had that conversation and. Things worked out that today's guest said yes, eventually. And together, he and Taylor and uh, the rest of her team, I don't know who that would be, uh, got her career started to the way the way it got started. And he talks about that a little bit here on this show. So I am very happy to bring to you today, uh, not only Taylor Swift's first manager and former manager, but also someone who served as social media mentor to the American Idol finalist. And I'm bringing you somebody who's dedicated to helping independent artists plot out the most efficient strategies for turning their music career, their music into a career. So, yeah, we have a great guest. I'm happy to bring to you right now, Mr. Rick Barker. Rick, welcome to Behind the Note Podcast. We're glad to have you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So we want to get to know you a little bit. And so I like to ask this question. When you're not working, what do you like to do for fun? What do you do? Well, lately I've been playing a lot of golf with my 12-year-old son, which has been a blessing. I've been trying to get him into golf forever, and it was never cool because it was dad's idea. And then this summer, him and his buddies took a camp, and all of a sudden golf became cool. So I was excited about that. So during the holiday, we golfed a lot. I also coach his soccer teams and very involved in the church. So that's kind of me right now. I've got my 14 year old daughter. We chauffeur her around. So it's chauffeur, coach and golfer. (laughs) Nice. 
So uh, I'm going to get a taste of that in the future. My my children are five and three right now. So still oh, a little bit of time. Yeah. Thank you. So I want to ask you, how do you earn your living in music? Basically, I've, I provide a, uh, I solve problems. That's what I told my son one day. I said, if you can always solve people's problems, you'll never uh, be out of work. And what I do right now is I make my living by creating programs in the music industry that help solve problems. For example, I have a program, Social Media for Music. Uh, I have a music industry blueprint, which is kind of my 25 years experience online. So I've created educational programs. I also consult Big Machine Records, uh, who's a record company here in Nashville. Uh, I've been working with them in their artist development and marketing department for many years. I also do social media for a couple uh, famous folks, uh, help them with their social media platforms. And then I do personal coaching in the artist space. I realized a long time ago, everyone felt they needed a manager and what they didn't have. One was income to pay a manager. What they really needed was advice and guidance. So I've been able to uh, provide that for uh, for many folks, and it's it's been awesome. And I have a couple clients that I do personal management for. So everything is geared around the music business. Everything for me is geared around teaching uh, and speaking and really helping the artists become record label ready, whether it be for their own record label, which all of them are their first record label, or if they're wanting to go partner uh, with another record label or management company uh, or investor, my goal is to show them that, you know, there's tools out that will make you more viable if you learn how to use them. And I have programs that will teach you how to use them. There's a lot of people that will tell you what to do. There's very few that can actually also show you what to do. I'm one of those few that can also show you what to do because I live this business every day. Oh man, this is so interesting already. So I kind of lost count. You, you have at least five different ways that you earn income, which is imperative today. Well, I think it is. I think it's, yeah, I think it is very imperative. You're correct. So one thing I like to ask, you said if you solve problems, you'll you'll always continue to work. And we know that's the truth. So I, my first question question is, you know what you're worth. You know what you have to offer. You are an expert in, in, in a certain area. How do you go from just being that to, uh, I guess, first customer? People might not know what you have to offer. Sure. Well, I think that I wanted to do first and foremost, I mean, I, I felt sure, you know, I launched the biggest star in the world. Everybody should just be throwing money at me and wanting to work with me. That, but that necessarily <laughs> and realistically wasn't the case. So what I did is I went out and I started learning from some of the best internet marketers in the world, some of the best uh, direct marketing people in the world. And what I needed to do was I needed to become a trusted source. I needed to become an expert in this space. And the only way that I could do that outside of, you know, I have people that I've been doing one-on-one -on -one consulting for, for a long time. You know, I had companies that were paying me, you know, thousands of dollars a month to give them my advice and to work with them. So when I wanted to try to take this from getting a record company to spend five grand a month with me to getting a person to even spend a hundred dollars with me, I had to go out and start putting products in the marketplace that solved problems that were free, that were credible. So I started hosting webinars. I started coming, letting people come on these webinars for free and ask me questions. And I started helping them solve their problems. And, you know, one of the first programs I came up with was called Social Media for Music. And everyone knew that social media was out there. They just didn't know how to use it. 
They didn't know what to do with it. So I went and created social media for music and I taught them step by step, click by click, how to use Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, put it all together, recorded the videos, uploaded the videos, brought them in, did a 20 minute teaching and then made an offer for 97 bucks for $97. If you want everything you need to know right there for lifetime, one time, 97 bucks, and I will make the updates at social media changes that program. I've sold thousands of them, you know, because I solve someone's problem for less than a vocal lesson, you know, cause I always tell people you can have the greatest music in the world, but if nobody ever hears it, you're in the inventory business. So what are you going to do to get your music out there? I saw that as being a problem. So I went and solved that problem. And that's what I tell my son. I said, I solve people's problems, you know, a hundred dollars at a time. I just solve them for thousands of people at once. Oh, that's really good. Thousands of people at once. That's, that's the key. Um, so it's been my experience, you know, there's a learning curve just about anything you do. And in the beginning, you'll create something and then you'll get a few sales. And depending on how you react to that, that might be it. Or you might make some more later. So how do you go? How do you just improve on the initial sales? Well, the thing is, is I never put anything in the marketplace that people aren't wanting to buy. And I think that's where a lot of artists make the mistake is they record a record before they have an audience and then don't sell any. And then they sell a few and think they need to go in and record another record instead of building the audience. So I go out and make sure that there's an audience first for what it is I'm offering. Uh, I don't have sales problems. You know, what I have is uh, a problem of I'm constantly putting new people into my world maintaining that relationship with them. And then when it comes time to buy, I have something that I know they need because I've been talking to them for the last three months. I never put out a product. And I say this humbly that I don't at least instantly make twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 on that day. If I would do all the research and I do all the loving on these people and I give them everything that they need. And then I bring the product out. It's their idea. By the time my products hit the market, it's their idea. They've asked me to create this program for them, but I had to learn how to do that. And what most people do is they just create something and throw it out there. And they're basically trying to sell to strangers. I wasn't trying to sell to strangers. I found a specific group of people that had a specific need that needed to be filled and I filled it. So that made it easy for me. plus because I know how to build an email list. I know how to use social media to maintain relationships, not just to try to sell my stuff. It's easier for me, but this is what I work towards. I mean, I didn't go out and try to sell stuff until I went and got the education first because I, I didn't want to waste my money or my time. You, you mentioned testing the market. That's really huge. I recently read a book by Pat Flynn called Will It Fly? And it's in his teaching about how to test the market. And then in the end, just like you described here, you create something that people want, something that people have asked yep. you for. So for a musician that's creating music what what does that look like for them i don't think the audience is really telling them so what's happening is let's say okay you know christopher you go on facebook in the morning you say you know so excited you know my buddy's in town we get to write some songs today i can't wait to share them with you later and then later you on you send them a guitar vocal or a uh whatever just a stripped down version of the song you kind of tell them the story behind the song and you let them have it and then you do another one and you give them another one. So let's say over a period of like three months, you've given them like 10 work tapes, 
10 songs. They know the story behind it. They know what you were feeling the day you went in the studio. They know the reason why you wrote it. And you say, look, I get a chance now to go in and cut this EP. I only get to do five. I've given you 10. What are your favorite five songs? Wow, those are my favorite five songs too. Hey, by the way, I've been working on this artwork. Check out these three pictures. Which ones are your favorite? You know what? That was my favorite too. <laughs> so now all of a sudden, they just helped you pick the songs. They just helped the artwork. And then you get to say, hey, I've been given an opportunity to go in and record those songs you told me that I should record. I'm actually coming up a little short on this. And I was wondering if we, we could do a pre-sale on this. And what I'll do is I'll make you an executive producer on the project. Since you basically helped me pick the songs and the artwork, which is a lot of what the executive producer does. I'll even put your names on the credit. And I've created these one-of-a-kind packages for only $40. And then all of a sudden you get 1,000 fans to do that and you just made forty grand, And it cost you, you know, eight to 10 grand to cut the record. You're 30,000 in the plus on a record that they created, that they want, that they're a part of, that they feel that they were involved from the very day one process. That's getting your fans involved. It's bringing them in the studio. It's, it's sending them, you know, doing uh, live feeds from the studio. It's doing Facebook lives, playing the songs, you know, it's, it's all that involvement where now they feel like they're a part of this process and they're not just saying, Hey, I went in the studio and recorded a whole bunch of stuff that I like. And by the way, I need you to spend $10 on it. Ah, that's good. That's what people do. <laughs> it's exactly what yeah. they do. They try to sell to strangers. That's true. So let's talk about the relationship. A relationship is giving and receiving by all people involved. What does a healthy relationship between a musician and a fan look like? What's happening in that relationship? The relationship is two-sided, and I'm glad you said the word relationship. So it's the artist going in. I have a program I created called uh, the Music Marketing Challenge, and it step by step. It's an email that's sent every day for 30 days, and it's in a membership site where it shows you follow this many people on Twitter, make this many comments, favorite this many posts. This is what you should be posting and when. And the very first 30 days, it's a two-part challenge. There's the first 30 days and the second 30 days. The first 30 days is all about getting in their conversations, liking their stuff, telling them how great their video looks, making a comment on a picture that they posted from their holidays. Not just, look at me, vote for me, I'm the artist, this is what I'm having for breakfast, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing. No, you go in and you talk about what they're doing. All of a sudden, you're showing them some love and appreciation. And then the next 30 days, we start dropping the music on them. And we start dropping the videos on them because we're no longer a stranger at that point. So every day, I like to start my day with going in and liking and favoriting other people's things. Or I even start asking them to like and favorite mine. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. All right. So I want to back up just a little bit. And we know that you used to manage Taylor Swift. One thing that you told her, you said you had to reach personally touch 500,000 people. So what did that look like for you guys behind the scenes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she said she wanted a gold record and a gold record means sales of 500,000 units. So my smart Alec comment was great. Then let's go meet <laughs> 500,000 people. Well, in the old days. The only way you could do that is on tour. That was it. You know, you either got in front of an audience or somebody heard your stuff and maybe took your music and shared it with their friends. That was the complete extent of how you could get in front of people. 
that day has changed. Right now, it's easy to get in front of people. Problem is, it's really noisy. So how are you going to stick out? So what Taylor decided to start doing was she started utilizing MySpace. She started telling the fan story. She started getting to know as many of them as she possibly could so that they would share her story. We took a, a trophy. She won the CMT award for one of her videos. And our meet and greet lines were about three and a half hours long. So we went down and took pictures and let the fans take pictures holding this award. You know, how many people have ever held an award? much less seen one live, she let the band take pictures with it, and that became their profile picture. And then they went and told their thousands of fans how cool this chick was and that they should check her out. And when she released her record, 13 weeks later, it sold 500,000 records. It was a record at that time on how fast this thing sold for a debut artist. It went gold in 13 weeks because we didn't rely solely on us telling the story. We went and made everybody else's stories cooler, by getting involved with their stories and telling them how cool their stories were that they wanted to go share that with their friends. And that's what we do today still to this day. You're known, you're known as a manager. You've had success as a manager. So I want to ask some managing questions. First of all, when, when should an independent musician hire a manager, if at all? Well, you said the word hire, and hire usually means that someone's getting paid. So most artists, new artists, can't afford a manager. Uh, most artists don't need management. They don't even know what a manager does. I did a survey once. I said, tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I say manager and they all thought it was get them gigs. I said, you're wrong. That's your booking agent's responsibility. I said, a manager is your go-between. It's the go-between the artists through all these different moving parts that are going on. And for me with Taylor, I was the go-between with the label and the band and the booking agent and all of these different things that went on, sponsors, you know, whatever it was. Most artists don't have that. So what they should do is they should try to find a trusted advisor. And that's what I started doing because what here's, here's the thing too, Christopher is you can learn any technical skill that I know. Anybody, anybody out there can learn any technical skill. You go on the internet, you do it enough. You learn the technical skill. You can't learn online is my knowledge and experience. That's not available. Your, your experience is not available to me unless you decide to share it with me. So what I did was I started making myself available to start sharing with folks. So what you want to do as a young artist, it's time to hire a manager. One, you have a career that needs to be managed. If you're looking to bring somebody on because you need somebody to do your social media, wrong. If you're looking to bring somebody on because you just want to solely focus on your music, wrong. Because right now you need to focus on your relationships with your fans. Uh, and that's what no one can do but the artist. So uh, when you start getting to a place and think of it like this, I mean, in most situations, an, a manager makes 15 percent. I always do. I do a one on one survey when people want to work with me one on one. So they all call and say, hey, I want you to manage me. And I have them fill out the survey and 80 percent of them made less than five thousand dollars last year. Well, how are they going to be able to pay me for my time? You know, so then I had to say, OK, but what in it? Just because they can't afford my one-on-one -on -one time doesn't mean that they don't need some of my knowledge. So that's when I started creating my products is I said, look, here's everything I know up to this point about this. Here's everything I know up to this point about this. Here's everything I know up to this point about this. And I made that available to them. So, you know, that's kind of a mixed question. There's a lot of people that can afford me to pay my consulting rate, but they haven't even set up a website yet. So I'm like, why do you want to pay this much money to have me tell you to set up a website when I can do that in a program over here for 500 bucks. You know, a lot of people spend money they shouldn't be spending. 
on a lot of different things. So if you're an artist and you're doing about 100 dates a year, you're already making in that 50 thousand to a hundred thousand dollar range and you're consistently creating content that people are consuming, you're going to start to be attractive to someone. You're not going to be the sole artist for a lot of people because they still can't make enough. If if you make a hundred grand, I only made 15,000. I can't pay my family and support my family on 15 grand, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have access to folks like me. So that's when I'm trying to teach some of my other friends who are managers, how to do some personal coaching on the side to help these folks, you know, but they need it with a little bit of guidance. You can go from making a hundred thousand to 500,000 real quick. So for the person who is at that point where they would need help from a manager, what are they looking for? How can they choose the best person for them? You want to find somebody who has the same vision you have. You want to find somebody who you trust, Uh, that you feel that you can take criticism from as long as you guys have the same agenda, criticism's okay. Constructive criticism. You want somebody who's not going to do everything for you. I have made that mistake. I shut my management down, uh, in 2011 because of that, I was doing every single thing, me and my staff for the artists that I manage, because that's what I saw the labels doing. And that's what I saw managers doing. And I was creating monsters. And I didn't realize at the time as I was causing more damage by making these artists uh, are sufficient relying on me. They completely they didn't even know how to log into half of their stuff, which is absolutely wrong. And I ended up stopping that. So if someone's making money and someone's got a buzz, usually the manager is going to find them. I always tell people, you don't have to find a good manager. A good manager will find you if you're doing the right things. But first and foremost is it's a relationship. You got to remember the manager works for you. You don't work for the manager. So if it looks like the manager's doing all the work and the manager is really bossing you around and the ma- then that's probably not the right manager for you. But you also too sometimes need to have somebody that you trust that can come in and kick your butt and point out when things aren't working right. So make sure somebody has a vision. I'm not going to say it has to be someone with previous management experience because I did not have previous management experience when I worked with Taylor. I did have the ability. And one of my biggest strengths is I'm not afraid to ask questions. I'm not afraid to seek out those smarter than me. There's a lot of egos in this business that don't, that think if they show, they don't know something that it's a weakness. No, if you show, you don't know something and you go get the right answer that shows as a strength. So find someone who believes in you, that's passionate, passionate about you, that you can take advice and guidance from and start there. Who did you turn to in the beginning? If you didn't have experience in that field, who did you turn to and who, who would take your call? Well, I, I had remember when I said I used to solve problems yes. and I still solve problems. I had created a tour called the Nashville to you radio tour. I was the first guy that got artists paid on radio tours. So I had a lot of very successful artists in the country space whose managers absolutely loved me because I was getting their artists paid on radio tour so I could call them up and ask them questions. Uh, I befriended a lot of them. Whenever I got a chance to be around someone who knew more than me, I shut up and I listened. And I always tell people, if you're the smartest person in the room, get into another room. I would always seek out those people with more knowledge than were willing to answer my questions and I would sit down and I would ask the right questions. And if I said, can I have 15 minutes? I would leave after 10 minutes, you know, so that they always knew that I was a man of my word, that I wasn't going to take up their time. I didn't ask them silly things, you know, 
I had Scott Borchetta, who was the head of Big Machine Records, you know, who had hired me out of radio to work at Big Machine before I started with Taylor. Uh, that was a mentor that I could call. So uh, I just I've always I always go into every relationship. What can I do for you? Not what can you do for me? And that has benefited me tremendously. Uh, well, you know, when I call someone up, you know, and I say, Hey, I need a few minutes of your time. I'm respectful of their time. So they give it to me. Or if I say, listen, I, I, I don't understand what this means. Could you explain to me what this means? Hell now you can go to Google. I didn't have Google back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, now, now you can go to Google to find a lot of things. Well, you mentioned Nashville tours. Did I get that, get that correct? Nashville tours. Called, it was called Nashville to you. Nashville to you. If you couldn't get to Nashville, we would bring Nashville to you. So basically it was uh, eight radio stations in California that I got to put up money. So when an artist was out on radio tour, they got a chance to play and get in front of an audience. Okay. That's a very interesting story. Please real, like summarize how you took that from idea to reality. Okay. So what happened was is every day, I would get an art, an artist would come by the station and I said, Hey, are they going to play? And they're like, no, they're not going to play. And I go, why aren't they going to play? And a lot of times they would say things like, well, they don't have enough music. And I'm like, wait, you hired, you signed to a record company that doesn't have 30 minutes worth of music. Cause I came from the rock world, you know, they could play for hours. And they said, well, no, they're not ready. Or, you know, no one will show up cause they don't know who they are. And I said, listen, I said, radio stations are always looking for ways to do things for their clients. I said, what if I was to get a venue, put up the money and we'll do this? And they said, great. I said, and I'll go get five other radio stations to do the same thing. Like, really? I said, yeah. So I called up these radio stations. I just cold called and said, hey, my name is Rick Barker. I program a station in Santa Barbara. I would like to bring artists through once a month. We're out in California. It's very hard to get them out here. Would you guys be interested in this? They put me in touch with their sales department. We, we got the whole thing set up. And the next thing you know, they flew me out to Nashville and were blown away that I'd put this together. And then they didn't send me anybody. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? They said, well, it's the summer. And, you know, we really need our radio reps uh, to be out with the headliners. So the baby acts have to wait. I said, well, what if I do it? What if I, they said, like, you would take them around? I'm like, absolutely. I already know the radio stations. I called them. So that's how I got on the radar of Scott Borchetta. He saw me doing a job that he was going to need me for later. And it's what worked out. I mean, I, once again, I solved the problem. I've always, you know, it's, it's interesting. I go into situations and I just always look for the need, you know, what is needed here. And I've just been wired different. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I grew up poor, you know, so I didn't have resources. I had to go create resources. You know, I'm very resourceful on the term of resources and kind of grown with me as an adult. Man, this is great, great teaching. I really appreciate this right now. Well, what are what are some tips on how a musician or a band can earn sponsorships for a concert? First, you got to make sure that you know the people that are going to be there and then identify the brands that would like to get their product in front of those people. Uh, it's it's really hard nowadays, you know, to get sponsorships because, you know, it used to be, oh, we'll put up a banner. Nobody <laughs> cares about the banners anymore. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, you know, first you got to know what it is you need. You know, what are you looking for sponsorships for? You want to put gas in the bus. You know, what do you offer the client is the first thing. So the first thing a client's going to ask you is who's my product going to get in front of, you know, that's why it's like the biggest time the bands make the mistake is they try to sell what's at the venue and not sell everything else they have. It's like, I've got, you know, 
50,000 people on Twitter. I got 30,000 people on Facebook. I'll do a Facebook live talking about your product. We'll put your lip gloss on, you know, we'll do whatever. There's so many different things that they can offer. They just don't know what it is. They just all call up and go, Hey, we need this instead of, Hey, I would love to get your product in front of my audience. And this is the type of people that are showing up to my shows. Matter of fact, you can see them on their, on my Facebook page. They're all posting pictures of them at the meet and greet booth. And I need $500. Uh, I have a sponsorship, three of them that are available. They're $500 each. And I wanted to offer you one because I know your brand would do well in front of my people. A lot easier sometimes to go get 500 from three people than 1500 from one, you know, but a lot of times people outsource themselves in the beginning. You might want to just do it for goods, you know, so that there's no out of pocket cost for the brand to start building the relationship, then let them see that the fans were engaging with their product. And then the next time you go to them, uh, you know, maybe you're able to talk money at that point, but it's all about the relationships once again. You know, you, you've got to bring to the table what is it they want to do. They need to be able to sell product. And if you don't have the right audience for that product, I always tell people, you know, don't open up a hamburger stand in a town of vegetarians. It doesn't matter how good your hamburger is, you're still going to go broke. What are, what are some of your habits that attribute to your success? I read and I listen. If I listen to read, I, I when I'm driving into work, I'm listening to a marketing podcast. Uh, I still invest in myself and my education. You know, I didn't finish high school. I didn't get a chance to go to college. You know, it wasn't in the cards for me, but I, I, I guarantee you I've got an MBA in marketing. You know, I got, I got an MBA in human behavior and psychology. You know, I'm constantly online seeing what's making people happy and what's pissing them off. You know, it's like I want to go in and explore what people need in my market. I've always got to learn. I'm always you know, spending time trying to learn how to do better Facebook ads to get in front of my audience. You know, it's like I'm never I never stop learning. That's the key for me. Never stop learning. So will you please share uh, one or two or three of your favorite podcasts and, and books? Absolutely. The I Love Marketing podcast with Joe Polish and Dean Jackson. That's a podcast. Uh, Ask Gary V. V.E.E. It's Gary Chuck. He wrote a book called Crush It. He wrote a book called The Thank You Economy. He wrote a book called Ask Gary V. Uh, pick him up on Audible. He is awesome. Uh, if you want no nonsense, no BS, straight up, he's your guy. Uh, Brendan Burchard, B-U-R-C-H-A-R-D. Just go to brendan.com. Brendan Burchard is my mentor. He wrote a book called The Charged Life which is basically exploring the 10 human drives that make you feel alive. He also wrote a book which inspired me to start my company called The Millionaire Messenger. And that was the basic, the premise of the book was make a difference and make a living, sharing your knowledge and experience with others. He's got an amazing blog, amazing Facebook page, YouTube channel, as do all the folks that I mentioned. Uh, but those are the folks that I'm really digging on and would turn on to anybody. Thank you so much. Now, Hopefully everybody listening will check out these podcasts and these books at the very least. I am going to check them out. So thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm hip, I'm hip to some of these guys. And I, I read a book called book yourself solid. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the author's name at the moment, but um, he mentioned that you should always have something to invite them to 
offer. That's what he calls it. Always have something to invite them to offer. So uh, that could be a concert. That could be a, a webinar. It could be in anything you can imagine. Just be creative. Sure. Uh, is, is there is there something like that that we can come to to see you to check you out? Yeah, you know, I've got right now. I just basically got done shooting a bunch of videos for social media for music. So if you go to my website, rickbarker.com and click on the social media for music, uh, it's not a webinar per se, as it is a 20 minute teaching on social media. Uh, you can also go to my website and grab a free copy of my book. Uh, but one thing I want to do, not don't want to talk about me for a second, but want to talk about the artist. One of the biggest moneymakers right now, Christopher, are Facebook Lives. And it's allowing artists to create their own venue online. And we utilize a PayPal.me, PayPal.me uh, account, which allows people to tip you. So here's what I did the other day. So I'll just speak for me personally. So right before Christmas... I wanted to shoot some videos for a new program I'm launching uh, called Record Label Ready. I wanted to shoot some interactive videos in front of a live audience on goals and budgets, setting goals and setting budgets. So I did this event here in Nashville. There were like 37 people who paid 67 bucks each to come to this event. So I had a lot of people emailing me going, man, Rick, with the holidays, I really, I really would have liked to have been there, you know, blah, 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 blah. So I got the idea. I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to Facebook Live every single one of these sessions, and I'm going to call it Honesty Day. And what I did is I said, listen, a lot of you said you couldn't get here. A lot of you said you wanted to be here. I'm going to go ahead and air, put these videos up, and here's a link. And if you feel that these videos brought any value to you whatsoever, here's a PayPal link. Throw a couple bucks in. Show me that they brought value to you. So I ended up doing almost a thousand dollars. I did nine hundred and sixty-seven dollars in tips That's by so making <laughs> this available. Yes. So if anybody wants to go to uh, Facebook and just type in Rick Barker's live event, it will bring you to a Facebook group. I'll accept you and let you in, and you can go in and watch those videos. It's four and a half hours worth of videos that we taught that day. Uh, and if they bring any value to you, throw a couple bucks in there. But that's what I'm encouraging artists to do now is to take people from their fan pages into these groups and really loving on them in the groups because the groups is where you can now direct message your fans. You know, think about that. You would have direct messaging ability, to your super fans. I'm curious now you triggered a question for me. Facebook groups versus the page, yes. Facebook page. Um, I'm actually okay. trying to decide which one to do, which one is better. Both. Both. Okay. So you need to have a page in order to run ads, in order to – so in order to set up a Facebook fan page, which every artist should have, you have to have a personal account. Well, then you can go in and do the group. The group is a little bit different. It's less, less restrictions. So now you can go in and you can then do Facebook Lives inside your group. So what you're doing is I describe it as the different levels of fandom. So you get them onto your fan page and they'll come on and check out your music and things like that. And then you go on and you say, listen, I've got a lot of stuff that I really want to share with you. So what I've done is I've created this community. Don't worry. It's free to get in. It's, but this is where I'm going in 
and I'm sharing a lot of personal stuff. I'm sharing a lot of never before heard songs. You know, this is where I'm giving you access to the music before anything. And here's a link to come get in. It's you're an invite. So once they're in there, they join with their personal uh Facebook page, now you can directly message them from your personal one. So now it's that one step closer relationship that you have with these fans. Uh, and it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Uh, and I teach that and show a little bit of that in social media for music on, on the free side. Rick Barker Live Events. It's just Rick Barker Live Events is the Facebook group. Anybody asks to join, I'll let them in. All right. Thank you. I'm going to post that as well. Now, is the is the Facebook page just yes. idle then? Is it just idle? We just do that so that we no, can get we to still, the groups? No, we post. Oh, no, no, no. We post. I post on my Facebook page every day. And then what I'll do is every and, and this is what we're doing now. Every day I'll run. A, a, I'll schedule two, three, four posts a day in my Facebook group. Because not everyone's just sitting around waiting for Rick Barker stuff to show up. I wish. But it's just not reality. You know, if I post something at eight o'clock in the morning and they get to go on Facebook at 4 p.m., there's no way in heck that they're scrolling all the way back to 8 a.m. So I have to post multiple times. So what we're going to do is we're going to invite people into this group. I have it pinned to my page, but I'm going to invite people into this private group every day. It's part of one of the posts that I do. So like, for example, today, today uh, I shared the live video that was shared uh I shared that. Then let me jump out of the group. Then I shared a Gary Vaynerchuk video today. I shared a Brendan Burchard quote today. And then I shared a social media post with them today on something that they could do. Not once did I try to sell them anything today. But tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow, there's going to be an offer. And there'll be. So I always do, you know, give, 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 ask, give, 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 ask. So. Depending on when they showed up on my page, they may just see the ask. So I have to be careful. So I want to make sure. So, for example, today, one hour ago, uh, we shared a quote, criticism makes you strong. Uh, that was from LeBron James. I shared a LeBron James quote. Then earlier today, I shared another quote, success is not a skill, it's an attitude. Uh, then earlier than that, 25 must-read books uh, we found for success. Uh, then the other one was the best revenge is massive success. I shared that from success magazine. And then yesterday, you know, some guy standing on a mountain, you know, eight motivational quotes. So I haven't made an offer to them yet in two days. The reason for that is this afternoon and later this evening, I'm going to make an offer where I'm going to offer three of my courses at only $50 each versus you know, 97 bucks or 147 bucks. And they're all my social media courses to help jumpstart people. So I don't want to just keep buy this, look at this, look at this. No, I've just loved on them for the last week. And now I'm going to come in and love on them a little bit more and then give them an opportunity to solve their problem with one of my courses. I see. So makes, that's makes how I sense. do it. And so I was trying to distinguish between the Facebook page and Facebook group. So, so the page, okay, so a yeah. group, the page is open to anyone. So people come on the Facebook page. They see your post. You, you can run ads from this. You can't run ads from a group. Right. You can't boost posts in a group or from a personal page. You can only do that from a fan page. So you use the fan page to get eyeballs on your audience. And then once you get them there, you then invite them to this more little 
you, you the velvet rope, brother. You I bring see. them behind. You bring them to the club. I hey, see. here's this other place. Oh, there's another place? <laughs> yeah, so that's how you go from casual fan to, hey, I want to learn more about you. I really want this free stuff that you keep talking about. I you know, see. and then you could come in and do a post and just say, so excited tonight to get to go into the group and play some new songs. By the way, if you haven't come in, here's a link. It's free to join. It's just a cool community of people who I support and who support my music. Come join us. And then once they're in there, now you have the ability to have different conversations with them. Now you can go in and message them directly and say, hey, Rick, you know, I'm glad you're here. Tell me a little bit about yourself. And it shows up in their personal message. They see, they know it's not a canned reaction that everyone gets. They know it's personal from you. And now that relationship's whole, whole dynamic starts to change at that point. I see. Makes perfect sense. Man. This has been incredible. I really appreciate you sharing your time with us today. Thanks so much, Rick. Oops. Okay, so at this point, I was ready to wrap things up. But then Rick reminded me that I forgot to ask the success question. And I really didn't know what he was talking about because it is through all of the other questions that we answer the question, advice for a successful music career. But Rick wanted me to ask him directly. And so here is his answer. Enjoy this part. We talk for another couple of minutes here. But my advice for people when they always ask me about success is I said, first, determine what success means to you. Because yes. it's different for everyone. You know, a lot of people will ask me, hey, are, are the people in your program having success? And then I said, define success. So is growing your band base success? Then yes, there are a lot of people having successes. Uh, some wanted a publishing deal. They got a publishing deal. That was success to them. You know, some wanted to make more money. So yes, they're having success. So the big thing that I always try to tell people is define what success means to you, set goals, but set realistic, obtainable weekly goals. If your goal is to get a record deal every day, you don't have a record deal. You fail. Subconsciously you failed, Yes. which is not true. So you need to make daily goals, have weekly goals, have monthly goals and have goals that are in your control. Getting a record deal is not in your control. Getting a publishing deal is not in your control. Setting up your business to be attractive to a potential record company, very much in your control. In the meantime, you're, yes. you're, you're setting your business up, but in the meantime, it's not ready to make money. So what are you doing then? Building relationships for when it is ready. Yeah, all you're trying to do is get to know as much about your consumer as you possibly can. I'll tell you, I'll give you a good example. So when Taylor was on MySpace asking these girls questions, they were just talking about boys. And she was finding out, oh, this is what you like about boys. This is what I like about boys. Our song, love story. Oh, my gosh, he cheated on you? He cheated on my friend Abigail. Should have said no. Picture to burn. So she's hearing their stories, and then she wrote their record. Yeah, interesting. So Very if you're good. having conversations with with your fans and you're realizing that, you know, this is what they're struggling with and you can write a song to get them out of that funk. Then all of a sudden you've solved a problem because that's what music is. It's emotional. Yes. It, it is. makes you laugh. It makes you cry. It makes you think, well, guess what? That's what life does. It makes you laugh. It makes you cry. It makes you think. So you're just basically writing about life. So if you've got a bunch of happy songs, don't, don't be hanging out in a bunch of depressing Facebook groups. Go find the happy groups. If you're yes. in the depressing Facebook group, don't bring them happy songs because they don't want to hear it. 
you know, bring them stuff that relates to them where they're at. Meet them where they are, not where you think they're going to go. Thanks for your time today, Rick. Oh, my pleasure, brother. And that was our talk with Mr. Rick Barker. This has been episode number 64. So go to BehindTheNote.com slash 64 for more. And RickBarker.com if you want to see uh, more from Rick. He has a lot of free products available to help you along your journey. And, of course, plenty of good paid products as well. So I always like to recap. And here are a few tips that Rick said that stood out to my ear. I'm going to reiterate. First, he said, become a trusted source. It was not enough, even for him, that he launched the largest pop star in the world at the time. He still had to put out products that were very good. He still needed to solve problems. And he still made his products available for free. And he still does that today. He hosted webinars to make himself available to to answer questions. And I think we can learn from his actions as well as from what he said. He also taught us that just because they cannot afford my time, he said, it doesn't mean they don't need some of my knowledge. So pass on what you know. It's for others. It's not just for you. And uh, that's, that's, it for, that's it for today in a nutshell. Now, I also want to tell you, we have a lot of really great shows already recorded, ready to go in the future. So I don't want you to miss it. So please make sure that you press subscribe on whatever device you're listening on right now. Press subscribe to the show. Um, I talked to Winter Marcellus a couple days ago. He's going to be on. I'm excited about that. But next episode, we're going to have a tax professional to give you advice for how to handle your taxes throughout the year. God bless you.